to the Willow in the Windies, the Caribbean cricket podcast with me, David Oram. The West Indies lost its voice this week with the passing of the great Tony Cozier. And in this extra edition, I'm joined by Tony's friend and colleague for over 40 years, Joseph Reds Pereira. Uh, greetings, Reds, and my condolences. Yes, thank you. Thank you. It's a, it's a, it's a real sad time. And, you know, it's, it, it was an honour for me to be associated uh, with uh, Tony Koja, mm-hmm. a friendship which started way back in 1965. And it wasn't cricket, it was a football at Kensington between British Guyana, Trinidad and Tobago and Barbados. He was writing for his father's newspaper. And all the last couple of days, David, my mind has been flashing to all the great times you know we had cricket grounds all the greatest matches we covered all the times we spent on tour it wasn't all cricket you know we we um, were able to taking activities we, we, we did make an effort to attend um, sporting events and uh, we, we we talked a lot about the game and i got to know him maybe in a special way um, except for its own family, Jillian, his wife, and Craig, and Natalie. I think uh, I was very fortunate, David. Yeah, it's uh, it's a huge loss. His uh, his international reputation has uh, was was colossal. He um, his passing being noted everywhere. Many, many, many tributes that will will continue from far and wide, the great and the good. Though not many um, worked as closely with him, perhaps nobody worked as closely with him in all of those years as uh, as you did, Red. So it's you lose him not just as a colleague, but as uh, you've almost lost a brother. Yes, I—that's the closest thing to a destruction in my own head. I, I, I've lost a brother. Friend, yes. Uh, Colleague, yes, but um, we were close enough. Uh, uh, but I felt I, I lost a brother, and um, it was, it's a. I suppose many people uh, may also make that claim, but international cricket has uh, has lost an icon, and uh, his writing, his words, his thoughts. Um, unfortunately, no commentary over the last three years. Uh, will be missed, and those who have collections of of, of kosher on the air, whether it's radio or, or television, um, I will urge them to keep it as long as possible, and uh, to play it whenever they feel they they need to have a bit of motivation, of great commentary when the West Indies were a great cricket nation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, among those that have spoken of him, 
uh, Michael Holding said uh, just yesterday, he said that uh, in broadcasting terms, he was the uh, the Gary Sobers of uh, of cricket reporting. Yes, he was. He was. Um, he was the great Paul Ronga. And, um, you know, he, he had a role uh, out of the commentary box where he, he worked very closely with um, his father's newspaper initially. In fact, the first time he reported on a test match, it's a little bit of trivia, it was in 1955 when his father was working in St. Lucia uh, as editor of the Voice newspapers. And he said, Dad, um, look, I can cover the test match Australia-West Indies, but I have to get permission from the headmaster at Lord School. <laughs> he got permission and was able to go to Kensington. Now, he was 15 years of age when he did his first test match, and of course it will be remembered for the great Atkinson, the PISA partnership. Right. So Koshi actually covered his first test match 8.15, and maybe some solution might look into the archives and find the 1955 test match what it is Australia. It was by the late Tony Cozio. Mm. No, that's, that's interesting. I didn't realise that. Yeah. There's an idea there in itself that... Um, he did so many, many match reports and um, contributions to magazines and things like that um, that it would be it would be fitting for somebody to collect up uh, a lot of his best work. Um, his own annual, for example, I mean, should be a collector's item. Mm. Um, and uh, he did work um, for I think the Financial Times. Um, he covered the Pan American Games. Um, you know, when things were so cricket, um, Tony uses. His great all-around skills uh, to do a, a, a great deal of work. It's it's going to be for his commentary, his particularly radio and television that he's going to be remembered uh, most for, I would think, Reds. And uh, it was in the radio commentary boxes that uh, you travelled the world with him. Yes, in, in those days, you know, there was very little television around cricket worldwide. Um, more in, in England and Australia than anywhere else. There was hardly any television. I think I, there, there was none at all, really, in terms of cricket. Um, television was just coming on stream in terms of individual countries. So radio was, in fact, the link to what was happening uh, with the West Indies team, whether in Australia or in India or in Pakistan or in New Zealand or, or where. Um, Radio was the link. The little man with his transistor, Western Jamaica, in Kingston, in St. Philip in Barbados, um, in South Trinidad, in Eastern Guyana, um, wherever, um, even as far as Suriname. I mean, you have uh, people who migrated to Suriname who, who were always listening uh, to cricket. And there's also, at that time, a shortwave radio um, set up. Um, in Grenada called WIBS, and that allowed, of course, um, a, a lot of people to, to go on shortwave. And when, when um, sometimes there was no actual commentary, people will, will go to Radio Australia and uh, hear um, the commentators then. And, of course, the BBC um, sent a lot of commentary um, down when um, things were very different in the broadcasting world, and maybe the BBC had a, a lot more money. Uh, the, the Caribbean Broadcasting Union then became very active, um, where, you know, in 19, 
in, in the early, I think it was uh, 71, they put together a team that went to Jamaica. It was a CBU team. Mm. I think it included Tony Williams, the late from Trinidad, Tony Kojo, the late from Barbados, uh, the late um, Roy Lawrence. I think that was, in fact, making of, 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 of a CBU team, which really became so much alive in 1975 when Tony and myself were part of uh, the World Cup coverage, and we ended up doing the final at Lords. Yeah, yeah. No, I particularly want to uh, focus upon that because I know that it was an amazing experience for both of you, apart from winning the World Cup. I, I know that you did say in one interview, and I know you had many, many interviews in the last couple of days, that uh, probably the most exciting experience the pair of you had in commentary was the, the game against Pakistan during the 75 World Cup. Tears from your uh, uh, vanquished opponents, no doubt, as well as tears of joy from the pair of you. The, the, the pair of you were, were part of the fabric of the West Indies t- side at that time. It was emerging into the great all-conquering West Indies side. But this, of course, the 75 World Cup was before the hammering down under in Australia. We'll perhaps come on to that. But I know the pair of you were even invited into the dressing rooms the that evening, June the 21st, 1975. Yes, And um, I remember Albert Holder, all of a sudden, someone brought him a huge cake. <laughs> and with um, the liquids that were being served, um, more of variety of rum, um, it simply was devoured in, in, in minutes. And then the celebration went on. Guess where? The celebration went on with the Australians. Uh, brought their their lager and um, you know it, 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 it was a great evening and you know I was staying in Gloucester Road in a bed and breakfast and I woke up next morning and could not remember how I got home <laughs> and, you know it, it was a lovely lovely June day in fact the final in seventy five was in the last day in, in England yeah on those summer days and. Um, but I, I don't think they put very anymore. Someone had to drop me, or I went by taxi. 
I woke up in this lost road, bed and breakfast, and uh, I had to pinch myself to say it was not a dream, you know. I, I was at lunch yesterday. We won, you know, and I rushed out as soon as I can grab a shower and uh, bought, bought some papers at the Gloucester Road station. And they were just as large as life, Clive Lloyd and the rest of the team holding the, 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 the trophy high in the air. And it was a marvelous day to be alive. And I would say how fortunate, how fortunate I was. Um, and I'm sure that, that Tony Gojo felt that way because um, he had come from a, a strong um, you know, journalist um, father, ELC coach who covered it in 1950, um, West Indies tour. Coach uh, had had a strong um, upbringing, strong uh, base of, of journalism. It must have been special to him. And it certainly was very special to me because I was born on a river in Guyana. Very, very humble farming conditions, simple life using kerosene lamps. And that's uh, a very long way from the Pomeroon in the Escobar Lords in London. It was uh, it was perhaps the first indications of the, uh, the 20 years of supremacy. Uh, but after that triumph, there was immediately disaster. Uh, the 75-6 tour of... Uh, Australia. I know during that tour you did witness one of the greatest innings you ever saw, Roy Fredericks' uh, uh, phenomenal knock off. I think it was a 71 balls he hit, reached his 100. But that must have been a tough tour, Reds. That started off with defeat in Brisbane. Um, you know, the first time you were, um, was we going to ever see Lily in Australia, we saw very little of him in 73 because of he, he got hurt. And, um, you know, we, we thought it, it, it would have been Lily. Um, it was more Jeff Hammond. It was more spelled by Doug Waters um, that did us in. Um, and, you know, um, just back to that tour, um, we, we got beaten in Brisbane. And we went to Perth. And it, it was felt that, you know, that Lily and, and Thompson will, will, will just overwhelm us because we had come, obviously, with morale fairly low. But in that first test defeat, there were two brilliant hundreds by Lawrence Rowe, by Alvin Kadishuran. And that was an indicator that these these, these two had a, a, a lot of class, uh, as they later showed. But we got to Perth, and um, well, we, we batted first, and uh, Fredericks was just magnificent. <laughs> Fredericks was just magnificent. I mean, Thompson and Lily was bowling under... And, Perth is not that fast now. I mean, that was a quick, a very quick pitch. And you had the Australians who were roaring Lillian Thompson, which is almost frightening, and especially <laughs> when we got to Melbourne. And Fredericks uh, would not back away. He just kept hooking and cutting. He didn't all hit it in the middle, uh, but he was giving as much as he got. And, you know, I mean, it was a great display. Um, Lloyd got, a, I think, 100, which was hardly noticed. And, and the West Indies, you know, left left Perth 1-1, one, one, um, David. And there was all sorts of um, suggestions in the Australian press uh, that uh, maybe Jeff Thompson would be dropped because of, of the hammering he, he, he took in Perth. Mm. And throughout this tour, subsequent tours and your travels, 
you're you're doing radio commentary. The pair of you are doing radio commentary. Was this just for the the Caribbean audience back home? Was it for the Australian audience or wherever you were? Were, were you doing it in uh, more through more than one uh, channel? Well, I got a further opportunity when Tony was picked up by Channel Nine, and then I worked uh, for. ABC Radio, uh, which of course um, went all, all over Australia, and I, I would think it was picked up um, in 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 Pakistan and Sri Lanka, and uh, it was being back being back to radio stations. Um, I think in those days, like the the link was through London, Montreal. It was a long way around. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually. Uh, it would come through um, by, by various means to the to, to the Caribbean stations. And me doing television, Tony, by doing radio, we witnessed um, the first ever series win in Australia in in, in 1979, when um, you know we were able to beat Australia in, in Melbourne and beat Australia in in, in Sydney. Um, that was the, you know really great to be there. In, uh, when when World Series came around, I did the second. Tony did both. I did the second, and by that time, commercial radio um, were in fact bringing ball by ball. It was much more um, radio coverage, I think, for the second year than the first. Of course, uh, the, the Kerry Packer organization was under a lot of pressure because they weren't getting great crowds. They wasn't getting a lot of um, press mileage. I mean, we played um, 17 miles outside of Melbourne at Waverley. But uh, slowly but surely, the, the, the crowd started to come. And eventually, um, Parker was able to get the Sydney cricket ground because I was not controlled by the Australian board. And, um, you know, some 50,000 people turned up for the first time uh, to watch um, a match on the World Series banner. And what a match it was! Mm. Um, and Gary Pack just uh, almost, uh, you know, went uh, over the top. I mean, I never seen as much of champagne thought. Um, a great match. It was a success story. I think he felt he he had proved his point um, to the Australian board, who had turned down an initial approach by Channel Nine uh, to cover um, Test cricket in Australia. Uh, they gave it back to the ABC TV, who came in at a low bid. Mm-hmm. And that was Packer's response, and he was well advised by Richie Benno, and that's how the World Series started. But there was some super tests, and for the super tests, myself and Tony Kojo did, in fact, because um, ABC Radio wasn't covering um, World Series, <coughs> for the super tests, um, myself and Tony, with the help of others, I remember Barry Richards helping us in in, in, in Melbourne, mm-hmm. Waverley as a Commons personality. Dr. Rudy Webster, who was then living in Melbourne, also helped us uh, mm-hmm. to keep commentary going. And that was done specially, I would think, for the West Indies, especially for the West Indies. Commercial radio for World Series was, was a great experience because... You know, the, the commercials had, had to uh, be used, had to be aired, and sometimes you were doing four balls in an entire over, where so many wickets were folding by the time you came back on. But um, <laughs> it, it was a, a tremendous experience, tremendous experience. Mm. 
Well, you, you, the, 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 this is the period you're talking about now, late 70s into the 80s, um, a 20-year or more period where the pair of you spent a lot of time on the road and covered many, many tests. You, you'll, be, you'll have to tell me how many you saw together. But what, what, what sort of a travelling companion was Tony Cozier? He was a, a great travelling companion. Uh, you just had to know um, his habits. Um, you just had to know, as he would put, uh, put to you, hmm. are you going to cut some sleep on this afternoon? <laughs> so don't call him at three o'clock because you know that he isn't going to be very happy. <laughs> once, you, well, once you get the, the pattern of, of his own rhythm, you know, don't call him at seven o'clock unless you have a real breaking story. Mm. Um, that somebody was being sent home or, or whatever. Um, you know, uh, you, you had to get to know, um, you know, how he, he, he liked to plan his day. And then uh, you, yourself and Tony can then plan your, your own day. Okay, we'll go and watch um, the West Indies practice. We'll go down at 10. Uh, in those days, um, you know, the manager and Fly Floyd will allow us to come on the bus. Uh, and uh, that, that was really great. Uh, that was a really great period where, uh, although we weren't part of the team, they saw us part of the team. I mean, they allowed us to come into the dressing room without any hassle at all. Even if you might have said that somebody played a bad stroke or didn't bowl well, uh, there was no there was no um, aggro against you. you. You simply called it as you saw it. Mm. And... Um, you know, we'd go down and watch India practice, and uh, it wasn't all it wasn't all cricket, cricket, cricket. I mean, in India, we'd go and watch hockey. Tony was very keen on hockey, and in fact, I had uh, the pleasure of doing a game in Guyana in the, the, the West Indies Hockey Championships, where he was um, the reserve goalkeeper and played in that game, and I was able to, to do commentary on the Barbados guy in the game and Tony Gurja was in goal. He later became president and he later made a tremendous contribution to hockey in Barbados by having what was then called the Banks Tournament. You had people from all over the Caribbean coming from all over the world. It was highly successful and uh, of course his son, uh, Craig, um, followed in that footsteps and was an excellent uh, hockey player and represented Barbados. So did his wife Jillian. Jillian played hockey for Barbados, and I actually did commentary on Julian, his wife, played for Barbados <laughs> in Trinidad, along with the late Rafi Noels. I, I, I do trust you weren't too biased. You were still journalistically uh, balanced in your commentary on that game, Reds. Oh, I had to say that the coach was outstanding. Brilliant save. Great stops. Oh, yeah. Lovely stick work. <laughs> Definitely. In, uh, in Tony's own radio commentary style, which... Uh, yeah, what you knew him best for. He had, of course, his uh, his wonderful accent, which was beloved throughout the world. But he also had um, his own particular couple of idiosyncrasies. I mean, one I remember him in an interview a few years ago talking about. He said the normal radio commentator would say, "And here's Jones. He comes up to the crease now, and he bowls." And and he said he would would drop the and he bowls. Here he goes. Jones comes in and pause because otherwise you were behind the game. Whereas he was able to stay ahead of it by dropping that. Yes, very, very good point. I mean, I think um, Tony uh, is on record, and uh, I will support that myself. I think we learned quite a lot from Alan McGillivray, hmm. the late great Australian commentator, and uh, I still use it today. 
lessons on this way, and he's halfway there, it's 270 for two. And the next day I know I'm calling Johnson. Johnson's driving on the front foot to the offside. Yeah. So you transfer from the bowler. Uh, you don't say he bowled because um, he is going to. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not necessary. Uh, I think we, we both learned the technique and the, the, the technique of front foot, back foot. Uh, sometimes you listen to commentary and you hear, you know, um, uh, and Pereira comes in and bowls to Oram and Oram plays it out in the offside and gets a single. And you don't know whether Oram was on the back foot, whether in fact he played true cover when he went deep mid-off and got a single. Yeah. You know, that, that that's very, very important. That was very sacred um, to, to Tony Cozier. And of course, um, you know, some of the fundamentals, like, you know, you dealing with uh, a region where radios are turning off and turning on, people are getting into the cars, people are going shopping, people might be on their farms, and when they turn on the radio, they expect almost uh, to hear what has happened. You might hear the Westernese are 80 for two, they want to know almost immediately who the two players out, yeah. how they were out, and things like that. Um, so that was something that the, the, the Kojo was, uh, you know, very, very strong on. And I think the Australian experience um, definitely helped Tony Kojo and certainly helped me. And Tony, you know, sometimes a little bit of lady luck uh, could play an important part in your life. In 1966, um, you know, Roy Lawrence, who was then, you know, the lead commentator and someone who I had worked with a little bit eventually. He was called back to Jamaica because Jamaica was hosting the Commonwealth um, Games, track and field. And um, Tony got an opportunity because he was up there, I think, covering for his father's newspaper. Hmm. And he proved his work very quickly and, and, and got on. In 1968, it was again Roy Lawrence, who the Australian, you know, were conscious of as the leading Westernese voice. Yeah. And, you know, you had the, the Mexico Olympics, and he was called to head the um, broadcasting team for Jamaica, who obviously, you know, had potential medal winners in that. And he had to turn down the Australian broadcasting corporation. Tony, I think, paid his own way and went to Australia, got on the commentary, proved himself um, very capable indeed, and maybe never looked back. After that, he became a prominent member of Test Match Special. Yeah. And uh, until he switched to Channel 9, um, which allowed me an opportunity to do um, commentary in Australia, um, you know, he never, ne never really looked back. Yeah. It's interesting you you're talking about looking back and Tony Cozy was a man very very capable of looking in three ways at once if I can put it that way he knew his history he knew his present and he certainly looked to the future in in his commentary style we were talking about commentary style I was very interested you did the same just now Reds something that Jim Maxwell in an interview commented upon about Cozy is that Tony Cozy commented in the present tense and Pereira is hooking that ball in front of square Jones is in pursuit not and he has hooked that in front of square and very much as things are unfolding and yet equally continually referring back to the events that have already happened by keeping the new listeners updated yes and, and, and he can do that and he did that because he moved very quickly from the bowler you know to the batsman 
Mm. Right, so he was two seconds ahead of the ball actually getting towards the batsman. Mm. Uh, it was great technique. The, the other important thing that um, you know he drove home that if you're doing the last twenty minutes towards lunch or towards tea or towards clothes, um, you've got to keep updating what has taken place. You know, you've got to look at the scorecard. You you've got to look at the details. How out things like that, or the bowlers, you you got to really bring people up to date because a lot of people might have missed the first uh, or a half of commentary. You know, you, you, you really have to keep painting the picture. And as he was saying in his own words, you've got to carry the commentary. Absolutely. I think there's there's so much that we could talk about, you and I, about the art and skills of particularly radio commentary, and I think we'll do so. I think we'll even have a, a separate podcast about this in the future, and we can talk about your skills, Tony's skills, and what you've learned from others. But his skills, Tony Cozy, weren't limited just to the radio, as we said. He was on television, and he wrote as well for columns and newspapers. But television, a totally different art form, Reds. Yes, uh, I think he had to make adjustments, um, and he made he, he made those adjustments very well indeed. Uh, but apart from cricket, there, there, there was in fact uh, uh, the social Tony Kozer who liked who liked going to Kent and Trinidad, hearing Kitchener and hearing Sparrow. Um, he generally loved um, sport. I mean, he w- would go. Would be to watch, um, you know, the, the the Australian Tennis Open, yeah. and in fact, and we'll go and watch what squash was playing because um, that was, in fact, um, you know, a strong point of, of Pakistan. Pakistan played good cricket, played good hockey, and also played good squash. And um, you know, he, I wouldn't say he was a party animal, but um, he liked, he, he he loved relaxing. He he had um, a very good feel for good wines, uh, which, which which he introduced me to. And, um, you know, sometimes, uh, and most times, I should say, uh, Jimmy and his, his wife will, will come out on tour. And, um, you know, it, 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 it was nothing, just all cricket. And, um, you know, it, 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 it was a lovely time. That's yeah. all I can say. It was a real lovely time in South Africa. Um, Gordon Brooks, who played a very important role working along with Tony Kozier, he was the photographer for the nation. And um, he, he was very strong in Calypso. And he would urge, he would urge um, Tony by just starting a, a little Calypso line and, and Kozier will follow up. Um, Tony Becker, um, you know, was part of, of, of that group. Um, you know, I recall in South Africa, we, we all shared a car and we drove from, you know, from one one um, province to, to, to the next along, I think it's called the Garden Route. And we totally enjoyed that, stopped and had lunch, stopped and had tea. Um, no wine during that drive, I may say, because the traffic was, 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 was quite strong. And it, it, it was, you know, not all cricket, cricket, cricket. Uh, there were some in, in, enjoyable times. There were some tests, testing times too. Um, the World Series uh, t- Super Test in Guyana, where we had an awful bottle throwing incident. I got trapped in the pavilion when I went across to find out if the umpires were going to inspect once more. Ian Chappell was not too keen on playing. The ground wasn't all that bad. 
and the bottles start to rain because the crowds have been in there since about half past eight in the morning and they were getting very tired of no action. And I left Tony Koja in the commentary box. Mm. When I got back to the commentary box, there was no Koja, no typewriter. Mm-hmm. And I was worried that he might have got caught up in the ball, in the, in the, in the bottle throwing. Well, to my relief, I headed back to the Pegasus only to find that he had slipped off from the Regent Street gate end and uh, caught a taxi and was quite comfortable back at the Pegasus. <laughs> and I was very relieved that my friend was not, in fact, in, in, in any danger at all. Reds, I'm conscious of the time. I'm conscious also of how many interviews you've done in the last couple of days. And I think it's important that you have some time yourself for... Uh, your own personal grief. So I'm going to cut this the last five minutes. Um, there's so much more we could talk about, uh, Tony Cozia, and I think I would appreciate the opportunity to do so uh, some more in many of our uh, future podcasts together. Um, but just in finishing up, I do want to ask you, people are going to ask you about Tony Cozia's contribution. His contribution was immense. But what can we contribute? What can cricket contribute? What can the Caribbean do to mark the passing of this great man? Well, I hope that the death of Tony Kocher and the response to his passing will bring the West Indies Board and the CARICOM subcommittee together. And if I can use the word, and for, for God's sake, let us yeah. bury the hatchet. Let us make compromises. Let's use the passing of Tony Kocher to bring the kind of... of change both sides making compromises so that we could move on. I think that Tony Gosha would be smiling if in fact there was a, a genuine effort to finally um, bring this war of words to an end. It, it, it probably will bring genuine effort to make the kind of compromises. Maybe um, one of the prime ministers uh, could in fact broker the peace and, and bring them together. Uh, whether the West Indies board has got to make a compromise, as we have said, you know, reduce the number of, of, of directors, make mm. it a slimmer board, whether we, we can see the former greats uh, being brought into the picture and, and, and participating, um, the legends, but let there be some indication uh, to the world that the, the, the healing process has started let that be a message to our young players that our board is, is not in, at war with our, our prime ministers and CARICOM. So they will now have a new confidence and maybe work harder. And that maybe that healing process may also attract sponsorship and maybe further improve the level of a first-class game. Um, I I agree with you, Ed. Um, Ed, let, let, let's 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 call it. Let let's do something in Cozier's name. You know, for God's sake, let's see them get together and and call it the Cozier process or something, and and bring these factions together. I, I just finally, Red, I want I want to finish on an upbeat note, if we if we may. Uh, uh, you know, it's it's a sad sad time, but I know you did get one last great time together. When you saw Tony earlier this year, you were in Bubba's Sports Bar in Barbados. And, well, just tell me about it, please. Well, it was part of the Barbados-Guyana four-day game, and I took the opportunity for us to go to dinner. And we, we chose the good night. We chose a good spot because Bubba's was alive with, with, with conversation. 
and the New Zealand-Australian test match was on, and as we started um, dinner, there was McCollum um, taking the Australian um, <laughs> attack apart. I mean, this was, you know, I actually saw the richest hundred against um, England and Antigua, mm. and it, it simply brought us back uh, to that. And I, I would think this Australian attack um, was probably a shade better than the English attack in Antigua. And it was just, um, you know, extra icing on the cake, so to speak, um, in terms of uh, it was early dessert before dessert was, was, was in fact um, handed out to us. It was uh, just a, a great occasion. And I, I, I will cherish our, our, our last time together alive, um, you know, eat, talking to each other for, for, for the rest of my life. Yeah, absolutely, and I've, you've shared with me a, a lovely picture of the pair of you, not commentating, but watching that incredible performance, and as you say, it was the last time the pair of you were together. I, if I may, I will um, try and find a way of sharing that picture uh, with listeners too. Reds, thank you for taking the time to remember Tony Cozier with us. Well, I hope I was able to do justice um, to the time we spent, uh, and maybe... Uh, I, I didn't do justice. Maybe I, I, I fell short, and if I did fall short, because there was so much to say, covering 30 years in, in 30 minutes, uh, friendship of 65 odd years, um, it, it wasn't easy, but um, glad that uh, I was able to participate. Yeah, Red, uh, a man of such achievements and greatness as Koza, impossible to do justice to, but I know you do everything you can to. Uh, honour his memory and we will in our subsequent conversations in this podcast many times at the slightest excuse recall the name of Tony Cozier.